Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jack Market. Jack Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for NBA and PGA and NFL contests launch this weekend. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Wednesday, September 9th. The NFL season begins tomorrow, and that could only mean one thing for a Wednesday episode of this show. It is rankings time. I am Michael Beller, joined by Jake Seeley, our rankings guru, and Brandon Funston. Guys, week one is upon us. What's about... 30 hours from now, maybe a little bit more from the time that we're recording this, we are going to be watching 2020 NFL football Chiefs and Texans. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. How are you guys doing this morning? <laughs> Tired already? <laughs> yep. Get ready for it. One more I, I, draft to go. One more draft to go to the finish line, then I'll sit back and, and enjoy some football. I can't wait. Um, I had more football dreams already. I, apparently, my <laughs> mind is not ready for the football season. It's scared. <laughs> oh my god! I have one. I have one left too. I have uh, an auction uh, on Wednesday night, also. So uh, one more team for me to sneak in before the start of the season and the start of the season. Just can't get here soon enough, guys. All very excited for what should be a fun kickoff game between the Chiefs and Texans and then a really fun weekend ahead. As I said, uh, we made a couple references to the morning because it is the morning when we are recording this. We're going to go through our week one rankings, Jake's with Jake and Brandon's week one rankings, looking at some of the most interesting players, interesting situations. Of course, things are going to change, so always be sure to check Jake's rankings column to find the changes that end up coming because of injury, because of news, because of whatever over the next couple of days leading into Sunday. If you're not yet a subscriber, you got to be one to check out Jake's rankings. And guess what? As of today, we have a great uh, deal for you. Subscribe to The Athletic for just $1 a month. Go ahead and go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod to get that subscription. Guys, let's do it here. I want to start off the show with something that we didn't do last year. I want to look at what we're going to call the game of the week, right? Every single week, there's going to be a game that's high scoring, tons of points, tons of yards, tons of fantasy goodness, and it ends up being a situation where if you have a fantasy guy on one of those two teams, you want him in your active lineup. What's going to be the game of the week in week one, Jake? Uh, besides Thursday night, let's not do Thursday night football because uh, let's not do Thursday night. Yeah, let's Thursday. go. Let's do non Chiefs Texans. What's the no, game of non Chiefs Texans? So I'm going to go not with the obvious one and, and not Tampa Bay, New Orleans, because those players, it like, it doesn't feel like you have to make any decisions anyway, because sure. all those guys were drafted. <laughs> so or, that's the thing is like that. That's the game of the week, but everybody scores anyway. Uh, so I'm actually going to go one where it's got a scary defense, but I think I want everybody in this one. And it's actually Pittsburgh and the Giants on Monday night because I see garbage time for the Giants, similar to the Jaguars, because their defense is so poor. And I know the Steelers' defense is a worrisome matchup for quarterbacks, for wide receivers, basically all across the board. But because the Giants have a litany of weapons and I see garbage time because I feel like the Steelers are putting up 30 points in this game, which is why... I like Deontay Johnson as like my flyer lottery pick at wide receiver this week, uh, that kind of boomer bust. Uh, I could see maybe it even being James Washington. Uh, Eric Ebron, I think, is a great play this week, and that's why I'm saying this is the game for me because I'd say everybody on the Giants side too, including the fact that I've been down on Evan Ingram. I feel like he needs to be in your lineups, and it only gets better if Golden Tate is out because then things are cleared up and you have less people sharing the ball. Yeah, that's definitely on my short list of games. Uh that you were trying to having us highlight, Michael. I would also throw out uh, Vegas and Carolina. I find yes. myself um, just basically saying I like everybody on both sides of these. Uh, these defenses don't scare me a whole lot. Uh, I especially, you know, I'm you're going to hear me say a lot of Raiders during this uh, during this podcast. <laughs> we uh, love we it. I thought forward. you were going to go Homer with this one. 
Well, and then I was going to quickly say, you know what? I also think Seattle Atlanta could be pretty high scoring as well. I like Seattle secondary this year, but that might take a little while to gel. And they can't get after the quarterback. Matt Ryan will have time to throw. So I think he can have a good day. And we know Seattle hasn't been good at guarding the tight end uh, or, you know, defending the tight end for a long time. So Hayden Hurst might have a nice little debut for Atlanta as well. Yeah, akin to what you're talking about with uh, the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game with Seattle and Atlanta. Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. Those guys are probably in your lineup no matter what anyways. I love that Vegas call. I was going to mention it. If neither of you guys said Vegas-Carolina, I was going to say that could be a very high-scoring game as well. So that's what we've got <laughs> our eyes on say this the, week. The Vegas-Vegas total now? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Vegas, Vegas total. Gonna love that. Me and uh, Vic Tafer are going to be talking on a Friday edition of this show, our favorite picks every single week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll invite you on, Jake, and you can uh, you can get in on that, too, with the Vegas, Vegas total. It'll be, that'll be a lot of fun, really, all season long. You know what else is fun? Deciding who you're going to start a quarterback in week one, just one week ago. Take yourself all the way back to one week ago, uh, September 2nd, maybe a few days before that, week and a half ago, that last weekend, when we were still talking draft time, we were still talking drafts, so many people were pairing two quarterbacks of the group of Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, and Cam Newton. And obviously there were a few other guys in there, Gardner Minshew maybe, Ryan Tannehill maybe, but you saw so many people wanting to pair two of those quarterbacks feeling as though that could give them a good quarterback foundation for the entire season. So we're going to take Drew Brees out of this discussion. Obviously, you are starting Drew Brees against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week in what we expect to be a high-scoring game. The rest of the group, Wentz, Stafford, Rodgers, Jones, Ben, Goff, Baker, Cam Newton. Who are you almost certainly starting, no matter which two you have? Who are you almost certainly benching, no matter which two you have? Brandon, why don't you kick us off here? Uh, I know... I think Jake agrees. There's two guys that really stand out, right, Jake? It's it's Carson Wentz and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, so I'll take Wentz because, um, you know, he had three touchdown passes against them, and each game he faced them last year. This was a this was a generous secondary, and then they lose their top cover corner in, in Quentin Dunbar. Um, Carson Wentz has Deshaun Jackson for this game, and who knows for how much longer, but he has him healthy for this game. That'll help, uh, you know, and he's very comfortable with his two tight ends. I think he just hits the ground running in week one against the uh, the football team. <laughs> the footballs. That's what we're the going footballs. Pat remember footballs. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I, I'm a little tentative uh, just for facing the footballs this year because of how good their front seven is, and then you're adding Chase Young, uh, whether or not he's 100%, that's still obviously a question. But this front seven, I think, is going to be able to keep him in more games than people assume from last year. I'm not saying you're saying that, Branton, but I just I'm worried that their front seven is similar to the Giants' Super Bowl runs. Uh, the secondary is nothing special, but it'll be tougher than people realize. So I'm ha- I do have Carson Wentz, Wentz as a QB1 this week, so I'm not – benching him i'm just I'm throwing that out there well uh, just uh, full disclosure i would take if i had a draft for this week i would take ben roethlisberger number yeah. one um, yeah but I, I just left him for you because i assumed that's yeah you know you, you know that's throw. where i'm going yeah he's yeah. solidly uh, as a top 10 quarterback for me this week uh, ben roethlisberger to quote our own mark Kabali is saying he's making all the throws looks good out there has not had any problems so far Shaved down the beard so he's got less weight. And then uh, he's facing the giant secondary, which is trying to find pieces. They just traded for Isaac. I don't even still know how to say his last name. I'm guessing it's Yadam. Um, but I just remember his name because I didn't have to say it last year. But I wrote him up a lot of times in the matchup articles because he was a corner you targeted. And it, I, I hate to say that about somebody, but you did. And that's somebody they just traded for because of how depleted their secondary is. They released DeAndre Baker with his off-field stuff. They signed Logan Ryan late, who's supposed to play this like safety hybrid corner. It's bad, and their front seven <laughs> is bad too. Like their front seven isn't even going to be able to like pressure the quarterback to you know make up for that. So I feel like the Giants is going to be a defense I pick on all year long. And if you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger versus this defense, absolutely no question for me. Yeah, that's looking like one of the more fun games of the week, as you said right off the top of the show, Jake, with all those Steelers' weapons going up against that Giants defense. Could be a lucrative game, certainly, for Ben Roethlisberger. So we've got Breeze, we know. We know Wentz now. We know Roethlisberger. The rest of that group, you got Stafford, Rodgers, 
Daniel Jones on the other side of that uh, that Steelers Giants game. Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton. Those two NFC North quarterbacks. You've got uh, a couple of NFC North games, right? Stafford and the Lions hosting the Bears. Um, Rodgers and the Packers taking on the Vikings this week. Those could be potentially. Tough matchups, Jared Goff going up against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Baker Mayfield, a very tough assignment in Baltimore. Cam Newton in his first game with the Patriots, welcoming the Miami Dolphins to New England. Is there anyone in that group that you were saying just no way unless he's the only quarterback on your roster, Jake? Mm, Not no way. I could talk myself into pretty much everybody. Uh, The the real problem here is, like, I actually want to rank Stafford higher, but it's I'm looking at it as, like, Aaron Rodgers versus Matthew Stafford. That's just a straight-up coin flip to me. But then Jared Goff at home against the Cowboys, and you know I don't like Jared Goff. I feel slightly better about him, especially if McVay is going to continue to try and rework this offense for him. And Goff could have been better last year if they didn't have such a poor like efficiency in passing touchdowns. It just was miserable last year. And then the rest of the names here, like I feel Cam Newton's still disrespected. Uh, so it's tough. I, I guess the lowest uh, is the lowest person I have is Daniel Jones. But right as of now, as of today, I actually have him six spots over consensus at 20. Uh, and it's only because of the turnovers. Like, I still feel like he could throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he might throw two picks as well against this defense. You've got Baker ranked lower than Daniel Jones, don't you? Yeah, I was uh, just going to say, Baker is the guy that I would, yes, I would say is I didn't, the I didn't know you included Baker. Yeah, Baker I don't even have inside the top 25. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about a Baltimore defense that gave up 15 touchdown passes last year, less than one per game. And, you know, Baker did okay against them. You know, he's got a lot of weapons. but uh, Gave him one of their losses. Yeah, and and it's like, but if you know, if you're looking at this group, he's clearly got the toughest matchup, and um, I could easily, I would easily slot him last. Yeah, it's uh, completely understandable. A very tough game. Eight and a half was the line on that. The last I looked with the Browns going into Baltimore. I like to see this team get tested right off the bat. We know they've got the new coach in Kevin Stefanski, two new linemen in Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. So I like to see this offense get tested by a strong Baltimore defense right away. But again, this is what we've been saying. We were saying all summer, right? The fact that you could have Daniel Jones feel pretty decent about him and still rank him QB 20 in week one shows you the depth of this position as we kick off the 2020 season. Something else we're going to be doing regularly on this show all season long. An off-the-radar player you will be victory lapping on on Monday. Who you got at quarterback, Jake? At quarterback? Uh, I wasn't sure. That's it's, it's going to be Minshew, man. <laughs> Come all over <laughs> Minshew. I am riding Minshew Mania, Beowulf. <laughs> I'm going down with him every single week. Give me all the garbage time like we watched with Blake Bortles. Uh, like, Minshew's my man this year. Uh, I'm driving Derek Carr, this one. <laughs> um, yes. Again, I, I said about the – I'm going to be seeing a lot of Raiders. I had written down Derek Carr. I like his matchup. Um, and, you know, this is a – I think, you know, he's a – he's. he's a guy I've been targeting as as a second quarterback in two quarterback leagues. I just, I love how they added the weapons around him. He has always been better in fantasy than people give him credit for. It may not always, you know, look great. It's not splashy, but he plays every game and in the end it adds up, but I just think he's going to get off to a fast start against this Panthers defense. That's going to be a fun game. I want those guys in my lineup too. Um, how about someone, this could be a no. You could definitely have a no for this, but I want to talk about it at every position. A <laughs> semi-regular, right? We're not saying Patrick Mahomes, but someone who you would generally regularly start, who you think belongs on the bench this week. Is there someone who fits this Bill Brandon, or is this a, a one where you can just take a pass and you know basically play things as is in week one? Yeah, well, we mentioned Baker Mayfield. I guess he would qualify. Kirk Cousins is not really a regular in 12-team leagues, but like, I don't love his matchup against Green Bay. And then I will just quickly say, I'm not saying to bench him, but if something in the back of my head is just saying, I, I think Tom Brady might underwhelm against Ooh. New Orleans, against that New Orleans Saints defense who can get after the quarterback. I mean, they're one of the top teams in the league at, at, in sacks. And, you know, that's how you get to Brady is you, is you get after him and you get in, get in his face and – and it's the first game there. There, you know, might be a little bit of simulation going on there, but something says uh, temper your enthusiasm for Brady getting off to a fast start. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the no one. There's, there's no one that really you would have drafted <laughs> at this point. Well, no, just because you said it. Like normal twelve team leagues, nobody drafted Tannehill as a starter. Nobody drafted Teddy Bridgewater right, as right. a starter, and said, you know, like I want to roll him out there week one. So, yeah, there's, there's really nobody that you would have drafted as a starter that I'm benching right out of the gate. 
No one is an absolutely valid That's answer. That's what I told Pat well, on his show. I'll give you, like, I cursed very first week of error. I said, then why don't you effing draft them? If, you're, if your bench is somebody <laughs> that you – put it this way. If you drafted somebody in the first six rounds, let alone uh-huh. your first quarterback well, you took, even if you waited till the seventh round, then why did you draft them if you're going to bench them in week one? Well, and so I, something I'd say to that is like like seven of the top twelve quarterbacks are pretty much uh, you know are dual threat guys that that right. you know when you, the rushing numbers doesn't matter the matchup. The, most of the other guys are Hall of Famers who have just been there, done that, and they're you know and you kind of ignore the matchups with them as well. So it's kind of you look at the makeup of the usual top twelve; they're almost all just pretty much matchup proof. Yeah, hopefully we'll get into a little bit more interesting discussion with that question when we get into running backs, receivers, maybe tight ends as well. And let's get into those running backs. Jake, your rankings and your rankings column where you highlighted uh, three guys. When you look at the rankings, you see a couple of big plus numbers next to these three guys. You highlight all three of them in the column. Marlon Mack at Jacksonville, Chris Thompson, the other side of that game versus the Colts, and then Daryl Williams. Versus Houston on Thursday night. Three guys who are much higher on than the consensus over at Fantasy Pros. Let's start with Daryl Williams. Uh, you have him as RB40, I believe. So obviously you're not saying this is a guaranteed lock-it-up starter. But in what circumstances would you be rolling Daryl Williams out there on Thursday night? Uh, that I just completely bombed at running back. <laughs> I mean, that's really. <laughs> what it, but the the real reason that he's there is because they keep saying you know he's going to be involved in week one more than people think, uh, which goes completely against what we usually see from Andy Reid. But you know, there's the concerns out there that we have is this is a preseason unlike any other. Uh, Carl uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I could get his name out. Uh, <laughs> supposedly says the. No problem picking up the playbook, which is part of the concern with Andy Reid is that he's got one of the most complicated playbooks. But even if he says that, the one concern we still have heard is that he's not been efficient or, you know, proficient, I should say, in pass blocking so far. So maybe that's part of the reason that he splits with Daryl Williams. And that's all. You know, if you're really thin, I mean, look, you're in a 14-16 team league and you need somebody in your flex. I think that's why he's worth it, especially in what we expect to be a high scoring game. Brandon, I'm going to uh, throw a different question to you, and then, Jake, I want you to respond to this question as well, since you were the one who has Marlon Mack up at RB24 this week. When you look at this Colts running back situation, Brandon, we know they're both going to be involved, both being Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Naeem Hines is going to have his role in the offense, of course, probably not fantasy-relevant role in week one, but definitely going to have a role that potentially is a bit of a monkey wrench for either of these two backs, more likely Jonathan Taylor. How do you approach these two backs if you have either Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack are they fired up in your lineup no doubt about it this weekend probably given the matchup um and given you know we love Jonathan Taylor's talent but we also love the fact that he's running behind that offensive line and you know I think the the thing with week one is if you're looking at all the rookie running backs and you're going to bet on which week are they going to have the lowest workload you know as much as we love them it's easily week one right like this is this is just they're kind of they're you know, without a preseason, this is basically their first dress rehearsal. Um, and, you know, so I, I think Marlon Mack looks great. I like that call for Jake. And Marlon Mack's probably never going to look better, uh, you know, going into a week than this week. Um, but even still, if Jonathan Taylor gets 10 carries, I might want him out there still. You know, even if Marlon Mack's going to get 15 to 20 touches, I w- you know, I might still take, a lo- you know, the lower volume of Jonathan Taylor this week just because the matchup's so good because, you know, his situation is is so good. So um, definitely have Mack ahead of Taylor this week, and I, I kind of believe in the narrative that eventually that'll, that'll at some point in the season switch around, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is that I expect this to be a game where they're trying to run out the clock in the fourth quarter, maybe even third. That's why I like the garbage time for the Jaguars. So both running backs, I think, can be in your lineup in week one. But as Brandon has continually pointed out this entire offseason, they've been saying Mack is still going to be the lead to start the season. So that's why Mack is pretty high up the rankings, because even if it is Taylor first, like that's 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 not a zero chance. I mean, it could happen. I still think that if Taylor was the lead, you would still see Mack in the second half because they're trying to grind out the clock. Now, of course, if it's a close game, that could go, go out the window. 
Right, right. And we'll see exactly what goes down there. It should be a fun game. That uh, other situation on the other side uh, with the uh, running backs in Jacksonville. Yeah, Chris Thompson. Jake, you've got him up at RB33 as of Wednesday morning with a consensus of 44. Uh, we know James Robinson is on top of the unofficial depth chart, but uh, maybe put a little bit more weight in that. It's usually rookies who we see artificially deflated on those unofficial depth charts and veterans who are artificially inflated. So the fact that the Jaguars threw James Robinson atop their depth chart Maybe we give a little bit more credence to that than, say, J.K. Dobbins listed fourth on Baltimore's depth chart in Baltimore. But let's move on to our next situation here. It's another one where we could have two guys from the same team starting. This is in Denver, the last game of week one, the Monday night nightcap between the Broncos and the Titans. Jake, are Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay both fantasy starters in week one? I think so. With a real truth about Gordon and Lindsay has just been more the fact that I've been pushing that their ADP and their values and the season should be closer than where people had it. So I think they're going to be both usable most weeks. It'll probably be somewhat frustrating. I'm going to go back and I'm not going to say Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler because you liked starting, you enjoyed starting both of them. I'll go back and say it's Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. Like there was a lot of weeks where it was one and not the other. One was an RB1, one was an RB3. Some weeks where it was two and four. And then some weeks where they both finished as a top 10, 12 running back. But it was a little bit more frustrating than the Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler situation. So I think that's what we're going to be looking at this year is it's going to be the frustrating version. But most weeks that, you know, if you have them as your two or your three, the Gordon being your two, Lindsay being your three, it's okay because you're not putting them in that top position. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a whole lot to say. I'm not super excited about them. Again, this is another situation where I'm saying, uh, you know, I, I don't love I, I don't love the matchup. I think Tennessee is going to be one of the better defenses in the league this year. Um, I like Mike Vrabel a lot, and I think this is just a team on the rise. But, um, but you know, again, it's Melvin Gordon's first game. Uh, are they going to split it 50-50? And I just it, – it, it's just uh, I just don't get a really comfortable feeling that these guys are slam dunks this week at where they're at where they're going as Melvin Gordon being a right in the middle RB two I think he could be more of a back end RB two you know high end RB three this week and and Philip Lindsay you know maybe slightly outside the RB three range so I, I don't I don't see a high ceiling for this game for these guys. Yeah, what do we make of this game? I know we're talking running backs, but let's take a look at this Titans Broncos game in general. It's actually got the second lowest over-under on the board for the week. It's down at 41.5. The only over-under that's lower is Jets-Bills at 39.5. The Titans are 1.5-point favorites in this game in Denver. Obviously, we're expecting some big things, some big steps forward from this Denver offense. It's still just a theory, but a lot of interesting fantasy players from the running backs who we're talking about to Drew Locke to Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. What do we make of this game? On the other side, we've got A.J. Brown. Derrick Henry's obviously locked into your lineup, but an interesting game for this Monday night nightcap. What are you thinking when you look at this one, Jake? Uh, just thinking that the Broncos also lost a lot of pieces recently. Uh, Vaughn Miller's out for the year. Bradley Chubb is questionable for week one that their defense might be more susceptible. But I think part of it's the pace, too, and the fact that the Titans are run heavy and that's going to make the clock get chewed up. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do. But, you know, Brandon just mentioned it. The defense is already nice for the Titans and they add Clowney. So I, I, this, over under doesn't surprise me. This is why I'm a little hesitant on, like, so somebody asked, why is A.J. Brown so much higher in non-PPR than PPR? Well, first of all, because that's A.J. Brown to begin with. <laughs> but second of all, it's just volume. I, I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of volume in this game, and part of the concerns with the Broncos' offense is there's just too many pieces to continue, like, can be consistent every single week. So out of Cortland Sutton, like, I like Judy, and I like the options on this team, and we just talked about the running backs, but... Cortland Sutton feels like the only one I don't even want to mess with, including Noah Fant. Like, I don't even want to really mess with Noah Fant for week one because this does feel like it could be like a 17-13 game. Yeah, I I basically agree with that. And we like Denver's pieces, and we like, you know, what we think they can do. But that, that just might have to be a momentum thing where they, that just is is more of a slow build. I, again, I just don't see – I don't see things starting off – fast for this offense against this uh, against this team and Jake mentioned it Derrick Henry we know Tennessee's you know gonna gonna burn clock with Derrick Henry as much as possible so um, yeah I agree with Vegas on this one all right guys let's move on to everyone's favorite late summer draft board riser it is Antonio Gibson his first career game uh, going up against the Philadelphia 
Eagles, uh, are we riding confidently with Antonio Gibson in this game? Maybe confidently. I like the snicker. I don't know which one of you it was, <laughs> was but it's a good point. It's a good snicker because confidently is probably not the right word, but if you drafted Antonio Gibson, Brandon, are you starting him in this game? Oh, I got so much Antonio Gibson, although most of it was early in the in the summer when I was getting him outside the top 60 running backs, and uh, now his value has gone crazy. And I honestly can tell you that I am more like – uh, unconfident in Antonio Gibson and probably any other player in terms of like what I can see potentially as a ceiling and a floor. It's like the disparity is is wide. Like part of me says, you know what, I could just see Rivera just you know saying, you know what, throw him into the fire and give him a ton of touches, and then I could just see him being you know uh, used in sort of a Cordero Patterson you know, smattering uh, of touches role to start things off. But I, I'm really kind of looking at and going, are they going to really just come out and just use Peyton Barber a ton in week one against this Philadelphia Eagles uh, defense with their stout front? I could see that doing nothing for them. So in Bryce Love, I don't know if he's really ready to get, you know, a whole lot of work. So it's it's really kind of, I'm kind of leaning more towards, you know what, this is probably them giving Antonio Gibson a decent uh, share of the load in week one. So I'm I'm leaning more towards the optimistic side. I'm leaning towards I kind of want to avoid it if possible, but if I chose anybody, it would be you know Antonio Gibson. The, the Eagles have presented a tougher running situation defensively uh, than people realize a lot of times. And, you know, I, I don't think that they're necessarily – I just mentioned before with Carson Wentz, but I don't think they're going to, like, absolutely be shut off the board where they're going to have to put up points. And then if that's the case and Dwayne Haskins does struggle a little bit, like you saw last year and he hasn't taken us, there's just a recipe here where the footballs aren't putting much on the board. And if they are passing more, is it Antonio Gibson or is this JD McKissick talk a real thing? And he's going to be their <laughs> passing game option, despite that's where Antonio Gibson's skill set is. It's just a mess of a first week. I, of all the running backs, Gibson is the highest, but if it's a situation I can't avoid, I'd rather stay away for now. I was I'm a you know I'm a Seattle guy and I can tell you uh, I have not thought once about JD McKissick since he's been gone. <laughs> like I just it, it blows me away that his name keeps popping up in these in the Washington talk and it's like uh, I just don't I just can't buy into it. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe they're all into him, but um, I, I'll believe that when I see it. All right, I, I, I hate to diverge off the path we're on right now, but I have to since we get some Seattle talk in here. I just saw our Seattle Seahawks beat writer Michael Sean Dugar tweet something out, and I've got to go to a ruling for you on this. Both you guys, Jake, you hate Let Russ Cook. Uh, Brandon, you are a Seahawks fan. How are we feeling about this hashtag from Michael Sean, Establish the Russ? Uh, <laughs> I, I like Sean, but... Nah. <laughs> still still not feeling it still no. not feeling these uh russell wilson no because it sounds like established a rust and like what you're trying to like destroy my boat i don't know what are you doing over here <laughs> we're establishing the rust rust listen you know what will happen you have to he's, got to, he's got to, you know there's the shootout potential and, and if that happens and seattle wins the shootout it's just going to you know it's, it's going to take off embolden everybody to you know keep, oh my keep God. the mantra alive Fingers, my fingers are literally crossed over here, hoping that happens and hoping that Jake has to deal with a combination <laughs> of let Russ cook and establish the Russ. Dude, at the I, same you know what? Time. This is—I actually wish great. there were fans. I would fly out to you for the first. I would go to the West Coast for the first time ever, Brandon, just to throw like a rare steak on the field. Let him cook. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should do that. Uh, you should plan for that. Can, can we get the you, fa- you can we come, get like the cardboard? To, can we get the cardboard cutouts the like we did for your Mariners? <laughs> I'll hold up a steak. You'll hold up of the a picture. steak. There you go. Yeah. I like that. Oh man! All right, guys. One more, uh, one more running back situation I want to touch on before we uh, before we turn this uh, over to the wide receivers, and it is another one that maybe is sort of sneaky tough to think about in Week One. Jake, what are we doing with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, <laughs> Buccaneers at the Saints? Uh, you're staying away if possible, but between the two, somebody already asked that. I did put Ronald Jones higher just because I don't know. And Ronald Jones has been there the entire offseason. I've joked about it and said, well, who's getting the love on Instagram from Tom Brady? It's Leonard Fournette. <laughs> and we know Leonard Fournette's more able in the passing game. It's not like he's amazing, but he's better than Ronald Jones. Would it shock me if Leonard Fournette is the lead? Would it shock me if Leonard Fournette gets 20 touches? No. But as of right now, I'll, I'll lean towards Ronald Jones. But as you can tell, probably in my voice in saying this, I don't feel good about it. This is another one where, please, I hope you can avoid the situation altogether. 
Yeah, I have Ronald Jones one spot ahead of Leonard Fournette. I basically see these guys getting similar uh, workloads, but I don't have them very high in my rankings. I have them kind of in that back end RB three and just or just kind of bubble area. So I'm I'm advocating that people look to avoid this situation if they can because it really is an unknown and it's not a great matchup. Yeah, wait and see approach definitely feels like the right way to go here. And again, a team that we expect to have. Pretty heavy pass volume with all those weapons and Bruce Arians calling the shots. Let's have an off-the-radar player that you're going to be victory lapping on on Monday, Jake. Mm, you kind of mentioned all my guys. What am I left to go with here? So, <laughs> oh, I got I double down. Double down on one of double these down guys. At, Chris Thompson? Is Chris Tom- I mean, it's just the Chris Thompson one. Like Everybody's trying to figure out if it's James Robinson. And, you know, Emery talked him up, so kudos to him again. But... The reason I'm telling everybody to grab James Robinson is if it happens, I don't want to start James Robinson week one because it might be a Zigbo. Something we talked about on the last show during the waivers is a Zigbo and Chris Thompson actually complement each other perfectly. If we're con- that's that's my concern is that a Zigbo is like that power option and Chris Thompson is the passing option. This kind of goes back to when Thompson was with the Washington Footballs and you know that was Gruden's day back there. Is that he complemented the role perfectly back then? So like the Alfred Morris days. So if you look at it. That makes sense, so that's why I'm not sold 100% on James Robinson. So I'm just going to take the victory lap, and the only person you can trust is Chris Thompson, which should be a game where they're passing a lot in the second half. Uh, I will throw out a a Chris Thompson-esque guy for me. I'm going to go with Boston Scott. I can't really come up with a way that I think he's going to have a bad game. I love the matchup. we don't. I'm. You know, we're waiting on any kind of Miles Sanders news right now. He's got that hamstring right. issue. Uh, a lot of different ways this could happen. He could either be like a surprise late scratch, or they play him, but they ease him back in, limit his workload, and that helps Boston Scott. Or Philadelphia runs up to score on a on a bad Washington team, and they decide, you know what, we're going to let Boston Scott be the kind of the milkman, milking the clock in the second half, and let Miles Sanders, you know, rest. There's so many different ways that you can look at this the possibilities, but they all end up with Boston Scott getting a nice chunk of the workload against the the footballs. For all you Miles Sanders people out there, that is a one Eastern start, so you're not going to be flying blind. You will have information on Miles Sanders before you need to do the vast majority of the setting of your lineups. Any regulars, Brandon, any regular guy that you think could end up being someone who you look at twice and think about benching this week? A guy that I own nowhere, but people still were drafting him as a, you know, right in the middle RB2, Le'Veon Bell, going up against uh, Buffalo. Don't like that. Don't like Frank Gore being there, uh, you know, potentially taking a large share of his volume, which was the only thing that held Le'Veon Bell, you know, in in the mix in fantasy last year was straight up volume because it wasn't efficiency at all. And if he loses volume in in a tough matchup, uh, that spills trouble uh, for Le'Veon Bell. I'm not going to go to a rookie, uh, Cam Akers. I, I don't trust Sean McVay, and I don't just trust what's going on. And, heck, if Daryl Henderson's back week one, I don't trust this backfield. I, I think it should. We all do. We all think it should be Cam Akers. But the Malcolm Brown talk, uh, you know, everybody being involved, if everybody's healthy, heck, if they're not even not. Malcolm Brown last year, everybody went bananas after week one. Remember, <laughs> 50 yards, two touchdowns. Like, that could happen again. So, I – this is another one. Like, there's, a, look, it's week one. You might have some of these options because you just got ahead of a draft. So, right. if I could find a way to put Cam Akers on my bench, I'd like to, uh, as much as especially against the Cowboys, which we expect to be a shootout. We expect to be a shootout for passing reasons, not for rushing on the Rams side of things. Yeah, I'm looking at Jake's rankings, and you've got Le'Veon Bell as RB22. We know that Brandon loves Cam Akers. Can we get some sort of uh, athletic fantasy football podcast rankings show edition (laughs) Bell Akers side bet going on here for week one? I would definitely take Bell over Akers for week one. 100%. You like Bell as a as 22, huh? You don't see you don't see that matchup and situation as problematic. I, of course I do, but I still think I'd rather take Le'Veon Bell knowing that he's going to get touches versus who the heck knows what's happening with Cam Akers. Like, whether they're up or whether they're down, Le'Veon Bell is going to get touches. Yeah, and, and the passing game can always bail out Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, you'd rather have them get their touches in the passing game anyways at the running back position. It's just better for fantasy. So there's always Sounds that potential. from you, Brandon? <laughs> it sounds like he agrees. <laughs> well, I yeah, I mean, I, I probably I'm gonna probably have Acres slightly below Bell on my rankings when it's all said and done. Mine are still fluid. I gotta get them. I gotta get them squared away in the next 24 hours. All right, I kind of want to force like a uh, like a one. The loser makes <laughs> the uh, the player their avatar for a day. Oh, side yeah. bet. 
you know, something like that. No, I can't. Really I, have an, I have an agreement with the guy who did my uh, graphic. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I actually knew that. I well, we, we still we're got gonna, two, we still got two positions to talk about, so maybe something organic will pop up here. Yeah, we're going to work some side bets into this uh, to the show today over, over the entire season. I promise you that we will get to that. Something else we're going to get to is a little bit of manscaping because our partners here have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way that you like to gamble on football. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and it has an LED light on it. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Now, guys, if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment for that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If that doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you your medication with two free, uh, free two-day shipping. You can also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, guys, wide receiver time on this first week one edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Ranking Show. Jake, you've got a big divergence from uh, the consensus ranking on Deshaun Jackson. This is a guy who has done very well over his career in week one. You've got him up at wide receiver 25. The consensus has him at wide receiver 35, so still in that wide receiver three range. Why do you feel so much better about him than all your ranking brothers do this week? Revenge game. No, I'm just kidding. Like You know, you know that yes. I, I've busted that myth in the past. That being said, if anybody's going to try and improve the rule, it's Deshaun Jackson, not only for a revenge game, but also for Deshaun Jackson in week one, whatever it is. I don't know if it's something in his mind that clicks, but he's been out there week one revenge games and putting together. But the real thing is what we talked about on the waiver show. He's the number one for the Eagles. Uh, if we are talking about the footballs and saying their secondary is abysmal and you know Deshaun Jackson should just blow them away uh, if whether it's J.J. Ortega Whiteside or Greg Ward or whoever it might be at least Deshaun Jackson's out there and healthy for now everything looks good and if you're talking about Deshaun Jackson even 90-95% of his prime he's going to be seeing that kind of volume which is what we always got frustrated with is that he doesn't see a huge amount of volume is that if he sees five six seven targets in week one I, if he doesn't hit a hundred and a touchdown it would be a shock. Nothing to add other than if you drafted Deshaun Jackson and you're not playing him in week one, you might as well cut him because there's going to be no, you know, <laughs> there's everything pointing to you need to play Deshaun Jackson this week. And so, yeah, uh, play him while he's healthy. That's uh, do it quick. Does line up perfectly for him in week one with his history, with the injuries in Philly, with that Washington secondary, even though we are a little bit afraid of that front seven. It does line up quite nicely for Deshaun Jackson. In week one, someone who maybe it doesn't line up so nicely for is Odell Beckham. And we talked about earlier with Baker Mayfield, a very tough matchup for Cleveland going into Baltimore in week one. Now, I know neither of you is saying sit Odell Beckham, but these are the discussions that you have to have at the wide receiver position. It is a very deep position. Most people came out of their drafts with five, six, maybe seven options at their position. You would obviously have to be deep to sit Odell Beckham. But what are we expecting out of him in week one, Brandon? Yeah, it's just you're going to have to just push that ceiling down. You know, you talk about that secondary, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. It's one of the most talented in the league. And we'd already talked about the, you know, we, we're not high on Baker Mayfield. And so Odell Beckham's one of the most talented receivers in the league. Could he get you a handful of catches still and, you know, some acceptable yardage? Sure. But is he going to absolutely go off? It's very unlikely. So you... You know, you have to just temper your expectations. And maybe if you're just loaded at the wide receiver position, 
there is the possibility that you bench him, but you'd have to be pretty stacked to go that that far down and and be able to bench Odell. Odell. Yeah, you you just have to have crazy depth to be able to do so. I'd just be hesitant for this matchup across the board uh, for the passing game. We've talked about it quite a bit already, so this feels like it could be a lot of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just trying to win it that way. Yeah, both those guys obviously are on your start radar. And I just did them backwards. Did you even that notice that? <laughs> I said Hunt first. Like everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody's, yeah, everybody's so concerned about that. it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny is that I actually looked at your – I looked specifically to see which one you had ranked higher. And I know you have Chubb ranked a couple of spots higher. But, yeah, didn't even notice that. It shows how fungible it feels like these two guys are. And, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt obviously signing that big extension with Cleveland on Tuesday. So he's going to be there for a couple more years, and maybe that means a little bit more of the rushing pie uh, headed in Kareem Hunt's way. Let's talk about – I've got Sterling Shepard written down here, and Jake, we know that you're uh, his number one fan. I think you definitely think he is the number one guy in that Giants passing game. Let's look at this Giants passing game as a whole. We talked about it a bit earlier when we were uh, referencing Daniel Jones through that quarterback lens, looking at the receivers and the pass catchers here. But – are we firing up all these guys? Are we feeling good about all of them? We know you're feeling good about Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate, we'll have to wait and see what his injury situation is later in the week. Darius Slayton also in the mix here, obviously. You're starting Shepard. Are you starting either of the other guys? Let's just assume for the sake of conversation that Tate's playing. If he isn't playing, do you feel better about Slayton? Mm, I definitely feel better about Slayton. And I think that, to go back to what I was saying about before, is just expect the Giants to have to be kind of garbage-ish time or trying to play catch-up with the 30 points I expect the Steelers to be able to put up. So, yeah, if there is no Golden Tate, I do feel better about Slayton. But I would put Golden Tate third anyway. I do think, as of today, if I'm... If I'm trying to predict this offense, I think he's third in snaps. I think he's the one that comes off the field. Shepard can play in the slot. He's been number one when everybody's been healthy. And the difference is, if you're only running too wide, well, you're going to play Slayton outside, not Tate. And Shepard can play outside better than Tate can. So I'm not saying I know this for a fact and that's how it's going to play out, but that's what makes the most sense while we're trying to predict it. So Tate out helps a little bit, but doesn't help as much as you might think because I already had it kind of set up that way. Yeah, I think I think I'm playing Shepard. I'm not playing the other two. I would say, uh, you know, not to get into the tight end talk, but I mean Evan Ingram might be a guy that's uh decent this week. As typically uh, you know, where you can sometimes hurt that Steelers defense when they're good like they are. Um that they've shown some vulnerabilities against good tight ends and you know, it's kind of similar to Deshaun Jackson. Evan Ingram's healthy right now. Uh, you know, you'd want to put him out there and play him. Not that the matchup's as good as Deshaun Jackson's, but I think that, you know, if the Giants are going to have any success, it's going to be limited to maybe Shepard and Ingram in the passing game, and obviously you're playing Barkley. All right, guys, let's get back to those Las Vegas Raiders. We're believing in these receivers. Brandon, you've already highlighted this as a game that is going to be potentially lucrative for fantasy owners. Jake, you've got both of these receivers, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, ranked comfortably higher than the consensus. You've got Ruggs at wide receiver 38. The consensus has him at wide receiver 44. You've got Brian Edwards even higher, at least compared with the consensus uh, in, in your jump on him. Uh, 16 spots, I believe, higher than the consensus is the number on Brian Edwards. Expecting potentially a high-scoring game between the Raiders and the Panthers. We know that that Panthers uh, defense is not one that we are going to be too intimidated by. Obviously, you'd have to be a little bit deeper of a league or a little bit shallower at receiver to start Brian Edwards. But Brandon, is this all systems go for Henry Ruggs in his NFL debut? Yeah, and I, I don't think Brian Edwards is a terrible play either. Look, at I, unlike the rookie running backs where you're, you're seeing all the incumbents basically getting listed as the starters on the depth chart, I mean, the, Ra the Raiders have already come out and said these two guys are the starters. So we can expect starter snaps and against in a very good matchup. So can Brian Edwards make a few plays and be worthy? Absolutely. But I'm definitely starting rugs, and I, I think Brian Edwards is uh, not the worst direction as well. It's nice that they're, you know, they're getting a lot of uh, a lot of praise and, and, and a lot of confidence from the coaching staff on these guys. And so I, you know, I, I feel better about them than I do a lot of the rookie running backs. Yeah, that's. I don't really have much more to add to that. It's just hey, these are my guys. <laughs> I've been talking them up. They are the starters. They, actually, <laughs> while we're on the show, it got announced again that they're the one and two. Let's uh, get on board. Get on bo before it's too late. Get on board. We we're talking about look, rookie wide receivers struggle sometimes, but every single year we see at least one or two pop into the right. top thirty. 
there might be two on the same team this year. Yeah, those guys are uh, very aggressive, the Raiders were, in getting them. It can't be stated enough, I don't think, that they made Ruggs the number one receiver off the board in this draft. And this was a very good receiver class. They de- deemed Ruggs their guy and then circled right back to the position in the third round to get Brian Edwards. So they are excited about these two guys. They're going to give them every opportunity to have big seasons for Derek Carr. And a good point you made on our Monday show, Jake, with uh, with Derek Carr, you know, most recently or a couple of years ago with uh, with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. We have seen him support two week in, week out, fantasy relevant wide receivers. So there's no reason it couldn't happen again here this season. And even with Darren Waller having his large role in this Raiders offense. Let's uh, last two questions here at this position. And off the radar receiver, you're going to be victory lapping on on Monday, Brandon. Uh, I will throw out Steven Sims. I always throw out Steven Sims in pretty much every podcast. But um, look, at, you know, Philly was, was uh, they struggled in, in the secondary last year and they added Darius Slay. But there's a very good chance that Darius Slay is going to be giving Terry McLaurin a whole lot of attention. Uh, I expect. Washington's going to have to pass in this game, and Steven Sims right now is positioned as the very obvious, likely number two target, and I don't think there's an obvious number three. It, it may be Antonio Gibson, but as we talked about earlier, he's still a question mark to his uh, role, at least initially out of the gate. So, you know, most people have a hard time naming the tight end on this team or the third wide receiver on this team. So I just think Steven Sims, who finished strong in the final month last year, positioned to have a nice role in week one against the Eagles. And I'm going to go to somebody that I'm kind of baffled by and we've talked about before is Preston Williams. You know, everybody was concerned about Devontae Parker because of Preston Williams and kind of overinflated what Williams did last year. But he was consistent involved in his eight games. Uh, but the bigger thing here is, too, who does Parker get week one? Oh, that's Stefan Gilmore guy. Uh, but, you know, Devontae Parker one time completely shut down week 17. I don't know, maybe Gilmore was already checking out. He actually obliterated him for 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but if you look at Williams, he's got the easier matchup in this game. And Williams is somebody that is healthy for week one. And I don't know if that's why people were off him, but whatever it might be, I think that uh, I think Preston Williams is going to be a really nice play this week. Man, if you guys were bands, people would love you in concert. You're just trotting out the greatest hits here. Brandon with <laughs> Steven Sims, Jake with Preston Williams. Who could have seen that coming for off-the-radar receivers that you're going to have a victory lap on on Monday? How about the flip side of this? A regular that you think could end up uh, being bench-worthy this weekend, Jake? Not Odell Beckham, because so, <laughs> we mentioned him before. Yeah, uh, not Odell Beckham. Yeah, not Odell Beckham. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of like trying to look down the list here now and see like somebody who – you know what? I'll give you. It's And I'm not attacking him because I hate the guy, but Amari Cooper. Because yeah. Amari Cooper – oh, shadow coverage. Jalen Ramsey yep. just got his new contract yeah. today. Big money, Jalen Ramsey. But here's the big thing is Jalen Ramsey and shadow coverage has been – shut down Jalen Ramsey. That's why he got that contract. Uh, but at the same time, it's not even just the shadow coverage. It's also that they have CeeDee Lamb in addition to Michael Gallup to be able to say, you know what, we don't need Amari Cooper this week. So I think he's somebody that you could talk yourself into actually being on your bench. Yeah, I had Amari Cooper at the top of this little list as well. I would throw out <laughs> for the similar reasons Mike Evans, who is dealing with a new quarterback in Mar- and Marshawn Lattimore, who, if you look at the history of these two, Lattimore wins way more than he loses against Evans. And, you know, we've seen Evans put up donuts like Cooper has. He's uh, So I would temper my enthusiasm, I'm not saying completely bench him, but I could see him having uh, a downturn. And then, then another one I would throw out is A.J. Green, who we haven't seen. Apparently he's healthy now, but he comes in with a new quarterback. Didn't play all last year. And you get Casey Hayward out of the jump against the Chargers. So I could, you know, if you're all excited because you drafted A.J. Green and, he, and he's healthy and he's ready to go, I would maybe pump the brakes on just throwing him out there in, in week one. Barely practiced in the abbreviated training camp, too, after suffering a hamstring injury on literally the first day of Bengals training camp. And we're usually not concerned about that for a veteran like A.J. Green, but would have been nice for him to get at least a few more reps with Joe Burrow before week one rolled around. So uh, that is the wide receiver position. How about the tight end position, you guys? Our last position of the day here. Are we buying Rob Gronkowski right away out of the gate, Jake? I mean, I guess if you if you drafted him, you probably did so, assuming he was going to be your starter all season. Not necessarily. So you might be in a position where you have to. But, yeah, right, not necessarily. So are you trusting him just right away out of the gate? I don't even need to see Gronk after a year plus off. I believe in him in week one. So it's funny is I've been watching my like my home draft, my buddy's home draft. They had it like a sleepers are really cool app and you can actually like 
like share the draft room with people is pretty cool. But I saw a couple, and it's Gronkowski's all over the place. Gronkowski goes in the seventh round as one. Gronkowski goes as a backup tight end in another. So that's why I said not necessarily because he might not even be your starting tight end. It's just it's weird. It's I guess people are either on or off when it comes to Gronkowski. I think the bigger concern is just is it going to be you know we know when he's out there on the field he's going to be involved in the passing game. But is it going to be 50% of the snaps? And now you're hoping that he gets targets when he's out there running routes. So the Saints, a decent matchup in a high-scoring game. I could see definitely starting Gronkowski. He's a tight end one for me this week. But there's a lot of names right by him. Like, I go down to, like, tight end 18, and I want to start them all. Like, I just think there's a lot of nice options at week one. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I'm, I'm leery on Gronk, but if you drafted him, like, you know— I think what you're hoping for is the touchdown. I don't think you're going to get the six for 70 or anything, but you, you know, you might get three forty-five and a touchdown. I think it's, it's very possible. And in, in that obviously plays. So, or eight um, for one ten. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm, I would, you know, I would like if, if I was a Gronkowski owner, I'm not anywhere, but if I was, I, you know, I would have liked to. I probably would have drafted a backup tight end. And as like Jake said, there's a lot of good tight ends to like this week. And I might end up talking myself into starting the other guy this week. Let's stick on that touchdown upside. Uh, when we did our quarterback and tight end roundtable last week, Brandon, you asked us a, a question. I think it was tight ends outside the top 15 who we think could be top 10. And the guy who I put in was Eric Ebron, based largely on touchdown upside. Jake, you've got him at tight end 13 this week. We have talked quite a bit about this Pittsburgh Giants game, but I guess this is just a reflection, or let me ask you this. Is it a reflection of the environment you expect in this game, or do you think that Eric Ebron is going to have uh, that touchdown upside week in, week out with this Steelers team this season? Or is it both? It's both. It's really both. And we'll start with the Giants and the fact that they were miserable against tight ends last year. They lost linebacker. They lost Dave Mayo to injury. They let Conley go, which they're just trying to like restructure their linebackers altogether. But still, most people, most solid NFL fans can't name the four linebackers on the Giants, let alone probably even Giants fans probably can't even name the four starting linebackers. This is going to be an exploitable option, right? Like, unless I'm completely wrong, unless there's like some mystery talent and they just know something and that's why they let Conley go and don't, you know, and aren't too upset by mail. But this looks like a very exploitable situation for any tight end for this entire season. And I do think Ebron is going to be valuable on the Steelers. I think it's going to be like when he was playing with Andrew Luck. It's going to be touchdown reliant. But Jared Cook was touchdown reliant last year and finished as, what, tight end seven, something around there? Like, we know the tight end position. Score a touchdown. You're a tight end one for the week. Yeah, and I, I probably can't name the four linebackers for the Giants, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, I've been ranking and getting ready for Sundays for 25 years, and even I'm still impressionable when it comes to, like, I ignored Eric Ebron for uh three months this summer, you know, like didn't even think about him. And I got to admit, I've been impressionable just hearing about how much the Steelers want to move him around and use him and how good of a relationship he has with Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, they have big plans for him. And it's made me kind of open my eyes to Eric Ebron again. And really, you know, before last year, he was top 16. He was number, I believe, number four in 2018 at the tight end position. And then like just, touchdowns. Yeah, just outside the tight end one range the year before that. And then 16 the year before that. So he's been relevant. He hasn't always been pretty, but he's kind of Jared Cook, right? Just a big guy that can move fast. And you might not always think it's pretty, but it works. You know, it works over time uh, to a decent amount. So Look at the matchup, hearing all that, I've been kind of coming around on Ebron and thinking he's not a bad you know, pick as a as tight end depth this year and a pretty good play in week one. Can you can you do it? All right, guys, some of that depth. Oh, oh, yeah, wait, ahead, I was, was going to ask you, Mike, I was going to say, could you, can you either of you guys even name two of the linebackers for the Giants? I'll even give you that. <laughs> Two linebackers on the Giants. I don't want. I don't want to step on your toes, Mike. Go ahead and. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so do I they still have? Um, uh, do they have Marcus Golden? Blake, uh, Blake, they signed Mar Blake Martinez, right? Yes, there you go. Yeah, Marcus Golden is back on the team, but he might not even be a starter because that was a late situation. I'll, I'll give it. So you, you guys combined for two. Oh, they, <laughs> okay, we combined uh, for two. They, I'll take it. They drafted. They they. Uh, oh no, that was last. Yeah, last year. Um. Oh, we just talked about him. O'Shane Zemines. <laughs> Zemines. Ziminez. Is that yeah, Ziminez? So from ODU. That's, that's why <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up. So there's two. There you go. All right, fair yes. enough. The other two, Lorenzo Carter and Devontae Downs. 
who Downs was on the Vikings and then cut and they picked them up from that. So they just and Tay Crowder's a back like this is bad. It's bad. It's bad is what you're saying. It's bad. It's definitely bad. So we'll see what Eric Ebron can do. What's bad is spending a, a, wasting a minute talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, wanted to bring up ODU. <laughs> that's all. Always finding an excuse. Although I am the last person who can blame you for finding an excuse to bring up uh, bring up your college team. Although. I've got a lot of. We've reasons. only got I've three got players in the NFL. I, I know. Come I've on. got I've got way more opportunity to do so <laughs> than you do. So I definitely can't fault you for that. Um, let's get to one more guy here. It's Mike Kosicki, another one of these veterans who I think just fell victim to uh, the unofficial depth chart hijinks. I'm not putting too much stock, at least yet, into the fact that he was listed second on the depth chart for the uh, for the Dolphins behind Durham Smith. Are you guys putting any stock into that, or are you still trusting Mike Kosicki here in week one against the Patriots? No, that's because he's essentially supposed to be listed as the third wide receiver. That's really what it is. If you're talking about last year, too, one of the tight ends that ran more slot routes than most anybody. We've talked about how inefficient he was, but that opportunity is still there. He had the opportunity last year because he was running that kind of route, and he was running that kind of position as lining up as a slot, quote-unquote, wide receiver, but a slot tight end. And that's the opportunity he's going to have again this year, especially because Hearns and Wilson opted out. So I don't, you could put them 17th on the depth chart. He was still going to be involved as the third guy. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he is the he is going to be the third wide receiver. He's when he's ever on the field, and it's not going to always be third downs. He's going to be you know most likely running routes. They're not going to probably ask him to block a whole lot. And so Durham Smythe, who I think is, has one of the best names, you know, sounds like a teacher at Hogwarts or something. Um, <laughs> It's listed as the first guy on the death chart, but he's you know he's going to just be an inline guy mostly, and Gasecki's going to be the tight end here that's going to be out running route. So I I don't worry about the depth chart uh, nomination either. Uh, very good because I don't either, and we'll uh, maybe we can all victory lap on Selfino on our pal Michael <laughs> Selfino if uh, Mike Gasecki goes for like six one fifteen and a touchdown uh, against the Patriots uh, this weekend. Off the radar tight ends that we think we can victory lap on on Monday. Who you got, Jake? Ebron Gasecki. Now I'll you know <laughs> I love the both these guys. I'm gonna go. You know what? The one that I've been campaigning for over the last month and having a lot of my teams and everybody keeps telling me I'm crazy, but. I'll go down with this ship. There's another one I'll go down with because you talk about somebody who's essentially the third wide receiver. They signed him. They brought him in. He's got Stefanski. He's got a bad matchup, I will admit, but he's the third wide receiver. Uh, Austin Hooper, I will, you know, I just, I think he deserves to be in the tight end one conversation every single week. I don't even care about the matchup. Uh, I will throw out Johnny Smith. I'm playing my greatest hits as well. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. look, at Jake mentioned Vaughn Miller's gone. It's not going to help that defense at all. This was a, a defense that gave up 90 catches to the tight end last year. Um, but in a slog where it's Derrick Henry a lot, maybe um, they'll they'll take some shots to John. I, I, I think the situation sets up well. So um, he's a so, sort of off-the-radar guy that I think can be a – Back end tight end one this week. No, nah, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, I was gonna move him up after the news this morning with that with the Von Miller and Bradley yeah. Chubb. I originally had him down like at twenty, only because there's again, so, I'm looking at everybody in the teens, and it's like Hooper, Gasicki, Ebron, Cook. You kind of have to, but Herndon, Goddard, Doyle, Hawkinson. Like, there's just a lot of tight ends. I want to. I want to rank them all thirteen. How about that? <laughs> well, that kind of uh, just probably ten way tie for thirteenth. That might yes. rain. That might rain on Michael's next question here then. Well, again, the answer can be no here, especially <laughs> at these positions like tight end and quarterback. But is there a regular tight end, someone who you think people Cook. drafted with an eye on Cook. starting that you would sit? Is that <laughs> for real Cook. or is that just is that just animus? No, it's always Cook because he's so touchdown reliant. Like if you want to play, the, this is what like I'm going to this is the I'll, last time I'll say Cook for the entire year. If you drafted Cook. <laughs> No, seriously. If you draft a cook, you play him all 16 games because if you try to play mix and match, you're going to miss good games and you're going to play crap games because there's no way to predict Jared Cook because there's no way to predict who he shows up against or who he doesn't because he's always been that way. And he's also got Drew Brees in this offense. So just put him out there and deal with it. But this is why you didn't draft him. So you didn't have to have that frustration. Um, Yeah, I don't really have a strong one. Like I said, I would probably... um, I would I would hope I have a strong backup tight end if I own Gronk and then like I already said earlier I would maybe look to get out of playing Gronk this week um, but I don't see him as an absolute uh, you can't play him I think there's still some decent upside with him I'm just I'm not too excited about him this week 
No shortage of good options at this tight end position. No shortage of good options for games to be watching this weekend with week one of the NFL season here. I do have one more question before we go. Jake, no. who's your top kicker for week one? <laughs> uh, Vanderjack. <laughs> Our idiot kicker. Of course you would do the idiot kicker. Of course. No. Just bringing it's whoever, the position down. It's whoever I had to roster in freaking Jamie Eisenberg's CBS, the, the league that I did for the telethon. It was the, <laughs> it was the one that doesn't even exist. Well, I mean, it exists, but he's not even like on a team. What the heck was his name? What did I tell you? He had an awesome name. I, I, I don't remember. I remember the story, but I don't remember who it was. Uh, try, what was it like? Something would uh well CBS isn't working right now so it's probably it's probably Greg Zerline though right the number one kicker don't you think it's probably Greg Zerline I legitimately don't even care don't even know who's uh, like are you I trying don't... are you trying to steer this into a serious conversation Michael <laughs> yeah nice what, what I'm trying to do here like everybody's already tuned I'm out. just saying oh listen all I'm saying is that it's probably Greg Zerline uh Jaden Oberkroom go Jaden Oberkroom <laughs> that's your guy I'm I'm, your guy. I'm going Seabass I'll just. Someone's gonna take someone's gonna take your uh, that that seriously and start him, and he's gonna get zero points, and then they're gonna blame you in the comments, and that's gonna be that's gonna be glorious. No, I, mean, like I just I set said, out with this being tuned a joke. Out. You brought up kickers, and they stopped listening to the podcast. I set out with this being a joke, and now it's gonna be something that totally comes back and lands on your head, and that's what we're all about. Lionel here Messi, at the best, best kicker ever. Podcast. That is oh that's yeah we gotta love it we gotta love it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, we are now wrapping things up. It is ten thirty a.m. Central Time. So again, there's going to be injuries, news, updates, all sorts of that. Be sure to check in with Jake's column throughout the week if there is anything that we discussed here that ends up changing. You want to check into that column? You're going to have to be a subscriber. You can get yourself a subscription for the low, low price of one dollar or one pound a month if you are listening to us in the UK. All you got to do to do that, go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. For Jake and Brandon, I am Michael Bellard. This show will be back with you tomorrow. That will be Nando DeFino and Eric Moody. The three of us will be back with you on Monday to talk the week to waiver wire. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day and enjoy the opener on Thursday night. We'll be right back.